AI, magical AI, which will destroy governments and so on. Maybe it will be possible, but uh, I don't believe it. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the MedSet podcast. You join me, your host, Karandeep Singh Badwell. And on this episode, we have Marius Manshur, CEO of Consonance, a medical device development company providing multiple services from prototyping to manufacturing. Marius has a very strong academic background and is an author and co-author of numerous publications in reputable scientific journals and visiting scholar at Stanford University and Nagoya Institute of Technology. In this episode, we discuss the implications of the AI Act, including how it is not application-specific by taking into account the risks and applications of AI, therefore making it difficult for new companies, the unique challenges of investing in medtech startups in respect of product and ethical considerations, and how research gates and web of science can be used as an effective networking tool. Welcome, Michelle Marius. How are you today? I'm fine. Thanks you for asking me to, to, to be here. No, it's a pleasure being on. So what is your view on regulating medtech? You know, has the recent AI Act been something that's in the right direction? Or do you feel as though we need a more dynamic approach to do this properly? I don't believe it is a good direction. So uh, I think that in our industry, medtech industry, it, is, it will be especially visible in the near and further future. So medtech is already a regulated area. We already have regulations and quite a lot of them especially towards uh, very risky devices, but still even low-risk devices share the same uh, regulatory base. So we already have the risk analysis ideas, uh, norms, standards. We have the whole certification path, a lot of elements that we need to take care of. And here we are adding uh, something else, which is not application-specific. So one thing, think that uh, I don't believe that AI as an AI act should be uh, regulated like it is right now or it is designed uh, is because it is not application specific. So there are people trying to regulate a tool which can be used in multiple elements. To be true, also not understanding really the risks and application areas, how this is evolved, how it is built. So I think there is a lot of issues. The, the act itself has better parts and worse parts. It is hard to read it all. And I don't believe that anybody who is now uh, developing or thinking or doing something in the AI, like either machine learning, uh, pattern recognition, some generative uh, neural networks, will read it because it is not for engineers. So we have very top view regulations that uh, is designed for almost nothing, something like addressing some issues or challenges that people not doing it think that they will happen. And the, the, the reason I think it is uh, harmful really for the industry, for the innovation, for, for new application uh, will show up in uh, MedTech, for example. So where we already have uh, regulations, that uh, I believe are necessary because uh, need to we need to ensure uh, safety and performance of the devices not put into the market whatever we want. Uh, it will 
the threshold for new ideas, new companies, startups will be even higher. So I have a lot of issues about these regulations and I don't believe we should proceed. And I don't believe that my opinion matters, unfortunately. So on the topic of AI, for the listeners today who maybe don't understand what AI and machine learning is, would you please be able to provide them of a summary of what it is and maybe some of the misconceptions of what people think AI is in comparison to what you see in movies and TV, okay. etc. Absolutely. So um, AI is a quite wide and, let's say, popular term for a lot of tools, uh, tools mostly uh, connected with machine learning. So machine learning is a approach, computer science approach to solving problems uh, with not a rule way. So uh, alternative to machine learning is building algorithms. So rule-based algorithms that we can measure, we know how they work, we implement into the computer system specific way how the problem should be solved. So for example, if we have some uh, robotic arm doing something, we need to precisely program the way how it works. So it needs to move this angle, then change direction and so on and so on. So we are solving the problem. Machine learning approach is a little bit different. We don't have rules. We allow computer system to learn uh, more or less by itself with our help how to solve the problem. And uh, we have at least two uh, two branches of the machine learning, uh, depending on the uh, application. So one is the reasoning networks or reasoning system, where we do uh, some, for example, pattern recognition. So we have input and the neural network on the machine learning system uh, is expected to find something. For example, if we build in our area, medtech area, system for uh, finding heartbeat uh, in ECG signal. So it is a reasoning network. We have whole ECG signal like, like waveform, and then algorithm can uh, detect all heartbeats and classify heartbeats to ventricular beats, sinus beats, and so on. So this is a reasoning network. The second branch is uh, predictive networks, so or predictive systems. So uh, system is expected to show uh, something that will be similar what we might expect. So predictive networks or generative networks are, for example, we now see a lot of them uh, in the internet, for example, are generating pictures. Pictures that look similar to, to what we expected, like this picture might look like. Sometimes it is uh, it have some funny mistakes inside. Uh, sometimes it is quite close to, uh, to natural drawing or natural picture photography. So these are two parts. And uh, I think lately uh, some other branch uh, emerged. It was developed last 15 years, uh, ChatGPT. So ChatGPT is a little bit different element. It is called uh, LLM, so large language model, basically. It is uh, also a machine learning system, uh, which uh, is expected to act as a dialogue system in quite natural way. So we, uh, it is called prompt uh, system. So we uh, write something uh, in natural language and then system will uh, give us the answer in also natural language. So basically AI 
as it is from technical point of view, are machine learning systems uh, that can solve some elements. In most of them, you need uh, to do, let's say, training. Uh, so it is analogy to learning, how people is learning. So showing examples, explaining some stuff to person, uh, the person can learn. And also AI system, machine learning system, are learning in similar way, but with a lot of math, computer science, and computing power. So this is basically what it is. And uh, it has amazing application because of last 20 years of uh, increase in computational power. Uh, we can solve a lot of problems. For example, this uh, automatic detection of uh, or analysis, diagnosis of ECG or pictures from MRI or uh, or a lot of other stuff. Uh, what we now see uh, and what people think about AI, you ask. So uh, people are thinking about AI as it is called right now, uh, artifi AGI, so artificial general intelligence. So people are thinking about more or less artificial self-conscious. So most of people, especially seeing risks, or challenges connected with AI uh, automatically thinks about Terminator. So uh, that uh, some kind of magical computer system become uh, self-aware, uh, taking over world and killing all humans. Uh, <laughs> to, to, to be true, if this is possible, uh, probably it will happen. I don't believe it is possible in near or far future and because if it is possible it will happen for sure i i am engineer i know engineers so engineer will do it just to check if it is possible so also from this reason uh, setting up some regulations it's like pointless we need to find out and put some policemen over the the shoulder of every engineer working in ai to to ensure that it will not do any harm so th this is basically misconceptions, I think, about the AI. Because to, to be true, uh, the possibilities are amazing. Not magical, uh, unfortunately, but amazing, still amazing. And we can do a lot of it. So would you say the real danger is not AI, it's the humans behind it, like you gave the example of the engineers telling the AI what to do, and then that could be used for the wrong thing? I... I I think that the, the still uh, the application area is the key. So not the people who are building it. So also scientists built atomic bombs. So it was it was possible. So they did it. It is matter who is using and for what. Because uh, a breakthrough in nuclear energy also bring us the nuclear energy. So atomic use in uh, energy systems in a lot of uh civil and useful application so here we also have this element so uh, it is matter how you use it yes you can use it for in a harmful way and for sure it will you it will be used like this so uh, either right now people are developing weapon system also having ai so n not like that you release uh, some uh, AI, magical AI, which will destroy governments and so on. 
maybe it will be possible, but uh, I don't believe it. So even small elements you can use, for example, uh, say self-guiding missiles. So right now you need to put algorithms. Uh, you need to have some very uh, expensive, sophisticated, uh, multi-dimensional uh, uh, sensors to detect uh, something that, that that we need to that we want to hit with uh, AI or image recognition. It will be all easier or probably cheaper to do similar effect with uh, simpler sensors. So uh, having, for example, in the missile, the uh, camera, normal camera, and a system that can detect and distinguish because, between our tank and the enemy tank. So it will be the application of AI. It will not be ma magical. So basically, you can do exactly the same effect having one person steering the, the, the system. So it will happen for sure. And for example, in weapon development, uh, it, like it is not a positive outcome. Like it is for killing people. Uh, still, I don't believe that uh, there is some specific danger connected with with AI, and uh, that we cannot expect, or that we cannot uh, uh, somehow deal with. For sure, for example, uh, internet security or uh, cyber security area. Uh, we can expect that uh, some AI algorithms or uh, AI supported algorithms can be good with breaking uh, cybersecurity protection. Sure, it can happen. So, but it will happen for sure. There are governments and black ops groups that want to, to break these uh, protections. So they will develop something. Uh, still, we all know that uh, something like this may happen needs to uh, build better protection and not only because of the AI but also because of the thousands of smart engineers working on breaking it possibly. So I don't believe that we should do something special. Uh, I am more on the side who appreciates that uh, we are evolving, we are developing new things that may help all of us. Definitely so. Another point here is I see that many medtech startups are taking the fake it till you make it approach, which is understandable, such as the Theranos project where a company was valued at billions of dollars, but reality didn't have any real intrinsic values. So for the investors listening today, or maybe people are looking to work with a startup company, what are the key things that they should look for prior to investing within that company? So... It's hard to, for me to, to uh, advise to investors uh, because I know that uh, I never been on the side of being an investor or knowing how the um, all reasoning behind the invest or not invest look like. Uh, definitely, uh, and I can see this working with startups in the medtech area. Medtech area is a little bit different. So, and I think it is quite unique. So in the industry, we have uh, a lot of regulated areas that are regulated because of some special risks. Uh, we have automotive where we have regulations 
uh, we have uh, aerospace, we, we have even harder regulations. Uh, we have med tech where are regulations, but not as hard as aerospace or automotive. And uh, so it is one line of ramping up uh, regulations. And this is the other line of uh, possibilities uh, or more viabilities of the solutions. So uh, in automotive, uh, to build anything, uh, you will need to be big. So you need to be Elon Musk to start your own startup right now with new uh, product in automotive, so meaning car. Uh, so there is a lot of uh, initial investment. Uh, and in um, other uh, regulated areas, you need even more. Uh, in medtech, uh, being uh, regulated, but also a very wide area where there is a lot of challenges uh, in the healthcare system, uh, in uh, other areas of uh, technical possibilities, in the user areas, uh, there are, um, it is possible to have startups uh, that can build something useful. And still, this is a regulated and area connected with substantial risk um, that we need to balance somehow with performance and our approach. And uh, this is why I think that MedTech is uh, unique, especially about with this uh, fake it till you make it approach, because you not only need to uh, build something that works, but you also have some real ethical elements into this. Uh, and the, the challenges around, especially about investing or funding such uh, innovative and uh, possibly useful projects in the medtech area are that uh, it will be connected with more money and it is not uh, widely understandable. So uh, I, I talked with some investors working uh, with startups in this area and a lot of them are like investors, they are expecting a return of money, of course, and they are expecting it fast. The challenge is that uh, because of the risk, regulations and all additional effort that you need to put into such projects, uh, it will take more, not only more time, but also more money. Uh, I believe that it is worth, uh, worth it, uh, not only because of the uh, possible help to, to people, so the social aspect, but also because of the business aspect. So healthcare is a very rich area in the meaning of market money going around. So there is huge space for good products that can both help people and be successful in the business matter. Still, it is not so easy. I think we have separate market, which is similar because of the possible risks, it is biotech. Uh, in biotech, you have a much different situation when it shouldn't be so different. So uh, on the downsides in medtech, the projects are uh, need even more money than in medtech. So biotech, so uh, discovery of new uh, drugs or uh, therapies uh, is even 10 times more consuming than innovative in medtech. On the other hand, you have much more money in this area, also on the investor side. So there is a huge amount of investors 
that gain or raise their own money uh, doing exactly this, so biotech. We don't have so much investors in the medtech area that earn their money, their, their money uh, inside this area. So we have people from outside, from different uh, markets that invest. So uh, there are challenges uh, for sure. I don't know how to uh, advise to investors uh, other than be patient with these projects because it is worth it. So on the topic of startups, networking, of course, is an important part of business in general. And to give that example, we met at a conference just over a month ago in Germany and through conversation, we found some synergy and hence why we're doing this episode is all through networking. What are your tips for effective networking, both as an individual and as a business? Hmm. It's not an easy, uh, so I know the easy answer. So uh, be out there. So be on the social networks, be uh, in the events, uh, during events, uh, talk with people. Uh, And in the same moment, it is not easy because uh, building network will always come second or third after business and doing business and building stuff and doing what you do. So uh, I think that you need to be open for sure. You need to talk with people. There are obvious answers, but uh, also search for uh, alternatives. So always building business is the first. Uh, I would say it should be first. It always should be first. Uh, But looking out there is always good. Uh, To to be true, what we do as a consonance uh, for for the medtech industry, especially startup industry, is enabling little bit network for our clients. So it is not a like first or the second priority because we are there to, to help with the product development mostly. But the second element is that we are in this market for some time. So we know people uh, that work in this market, not only as a engineering side or manufacturing side or the component distribution part, uh, but also in clinical trials, uh, we know physicians, we know more or less how the healthcare works, and we have partners. Not like partners that we work daily with, but we have people that we can reach out. So um, I think that talking to people that are already in a specific market in the industry is a key element. And I would uh, generally advise everybody, and I'm advising this to, to our clients, to, to startups that we are working with, uh, to reach out. Because uh, right now, to, to be true, uh, I think LinkedIn is uh, became a few years ago such platform for uh, professional connections. Uh, and it is quite easy to write. Uh, so it, at least it doesn't cost money or, or a lot of time just to write to people. And there are some people uh, very interested in even knowing of the projects that are happening uh, in the in this space, uh, it is quite easy to find scientists, uh, clinicians, uh, engineers that are working in specific area. Uh, they have uh, publications. There is different uh, social network. It's called ResearchGate. 
uh, where you have the publications, uh, scientific publications uh, from uh, scientific, uh, scientific and science-related people. So it is, to be true, quite easy to find out somebody who has publications in the area that we are working in and reaching out to these people via ResearchGate, via LinkedIn or uh, uh, via web pages of the universities they are affiliated with. So I think that uh, reaching out to people uh, can be quite rewarding, no, no matter it, if they are somebody who can provide us with the service. Just people who are out there, because there is high chance that uh, somebody working in the area know other people who are also working in this area or are interested in this area. And it definitely might help us. So we, we met, as you said, in Germany on the MedTech or medical device regulation event. So I was there uh, more or less as an invited speaker, but I wanted to go there to exactly meet you, meet other people working in this area. Now, great points there. I mean, ResearchGate is quite an interesting one. You know, when people think of networking, they often think of LinkedIn, but they don't realize that things like ResearchGate, finding people that have written professional papers, because if you're in a professional publication, chances are you are a subject matter expert, you know, effectively. So you know that person is knowledgeable in terms of what they mm -hmm. do. And it's a really great way to meet people that you otherwise wouldn't find because not everybody is on LinkedIn. You know, if you go into ResearchGate, I wouldn't be surprised if more than 50% of those people probably are on LinkedIn, but not necessarily active on this. So I really think it's a hidden gem to find these educated people in whatever subject you're looking at. Yes, so in this matter, uh, my background is university background. Not only study, but I was working, I think, eight years at the university before I went into commercial line of work. To be true, doing exactly the same, so research and development. I was exactly more in applied uh, side of the university work. And uh, I absolutely agree with this. Not many people connected with universities or working at universities, especially those who can have some power of decision, meaning they are older, uh, are exposed to modern social networks. I know that LinkedIn is not super modern, but still uh, it is for a lot of them. And as somebody who was working at the university for, for some time, uh, I can say to you that a lot of people at universities are very interested in doing uh, interesting stuff. So why are you working at a university? Because uh, you are a specialist and you want to work on this specific element. So maybe this person, you working at the university, will not be interested in a lot of stuff other than your narrow area. But there is a lot of people working in this uh, scientific world. And for sure, uh, especially startups uh, working on some new solution, uh, would be amazed how many people worldwide can they find working exactly on this element they are trying to solve or in some close proximity to this area. And uh, people are, I think, afraid to ask because there is some professor, he is super important, but uh, I find out that uh, most of people probably won't bother to answer, but some of them will. So it is worth to write to these people 
and something really simple. So, hello, I see that you have publication in this area. We are doing similar stuff. Uh, would you be interested in uh, 30 minutes to meet us? I have some questions to ask him. And being on the other side of the table, uh, uh, as somebody who was working at the university, I can totally say that I answered uh, such questions or such requests to meet or speak. Uh, I had some uh, quite a good successful projects, research projects working at the university that started with such reaching out, either from our side to somebody or from somebody to us. So, uh, and here ResearchGate is a social network, more or less social network, where you have aggregated uh, people, uh, scientists, and their publication. There are also other networks like this, for example, Web of Science. It is not easy to find because it is more like a centralized base of every publication, every scientific publication. Uh, still, you can find there, if you find the Web of Science, you can find there a lot of publications, a lot of people. So definitely wor worth to explore. Uh, and people can really help with the project, with research, with development, uh, just for being there. So they, they, I know a lot of people that are involved in the projects uh, because they just like being involved. Yep, definitely so. So, Marius, you're based in Krakow, Poland. What is the medtech or health tech or even just the startup scene like in that area of the world? Um, I think very good. So, uh, Poland and general uh, Central Europe and Eastern Europe uh, is quite well known of their technical universities. It is something that was left here because of the communist era, probably the only positive element. We have quite strong technical universities in Poland, also in surrounding countries. I think Poland is the biggest one in Central Europe with uh, a lot of very strong technical universities um, and a lot of people who like technology, working in technology, especially in my area. Uh, and uh, it enables a lot of movement of new uh, projects, uh, startup projects, innovative projects, innovative products. Uh, unfortunately, there is not enough money, uh, at least private money, to support all of this effort and projects. Uh, we are still not Silicon Valley. Uh, well, probably nobody is Silicon Valley uh, besides Silicon Valley. And so uh, there is for sure a lot of struggle for money, uh, for fundraising. Um, there is a lot, I think more than uh, uh, Western Europe, government support for uh, research and development. Um, still a uh, lot of movement, a lot of people who want to do something. Uh, there is, I think, that the issue or challenge is to learn the business side so so what i can see especially talking especially i think talking with people from uk is that uh, in uk it is much easier to have uh, very good business people than uh, technical people in poland it is uh, quite reverse 
So it, especially for me, it is very easy to hire very good engineers uh, and very hard to hire uh, great business people. So th there is really limited number of business people you can uh, hire, especially who want to get involved in a small project, a startup project, and can uh, start from small and build it to, to something big. So, and, and I think it is a great uh, area of cooperation, uh, especially uh, in the in Europe, uh, in in meaning of the, the European Union and and the geographic uh, area. In Poland, what is happening more in the medtech? Uh, I think there is a lot of projects. Medtech is uh, still quite popular or trendy. Um, me being here around 10 years in this area, I think it, that the peak of uh, popularity for MedTech was around, uh, I think, eight, uh, seven years ago. It was a little bit before in the Western Europe. Uh, it was still here. Uh, and pandemic made uh, it still popular. So during pandemic, everybody understood that uh, health issues, the product, uh, concerning health issues are quite important. So uh, it is still popular. A lot of projects uh, concerning this area. I, I think, I'm not sure if it is the biggest area of new new ideas because I, I'm not, uh, I don't have any statistics, but uh, a lot of projects, a lot of ideas. Uh, most of them on very early stage, to, to be true. I think in general, if you throw a rock and uh, aim some uh, startup in Western Europe or US, uh, you will have something uh, much more mature than in Poland. But uh, future will, will show. I, I think that uh, having very strong technical and engineering side is definitely an advantage, especially in long, long run. Marius, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. What one piece of advice would you leave the listeners with? Huh. It's hard to, to, to tell one advice uh, because we talked about a lot of elements. Uh, I think the one advice I can leave you that will touch all the elements that we are talking about, don't be afraid about new things. Uh, no matter if it is a new way of doing old things like AI, uh, no matter it is uh, about reaching to other people doing new things or it is about uh, doing new things in the business area next time or startup area on your own i think doing new things is super fun it is for me i do a lot of new things every day so don't be afraid of doing doing new things it is very fulfilling and very worth to do thank you very much for your time marius Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to episode 55 of the MedTech Podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe. If you wish to learn more about Marius, you can connect with him online or visit his company website, the links of which are provided in the description. If there are any particular topics or guests you would like for me to have on the show in future, then please feel free to reach out.